Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful for another opportunity to study and look into your word and see your goodness. Father, we thank you that you're teaching me and helping me to, to grow in the gifts that you've given me, help the hearers to hear the word, to see Jesus in, your, in the word, in Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So the question that nobody asked me that I'm going to answer <laughs> on the, the uh, field I was talking about in Arizona is that field had been in production for years but with ordinary crops. Cotton, corn, milo, those crops don't need to go down very far. Uh, even sugar beets, uh, you would be okay planting those plants in that type of a field and not have an issue. But if you want to plant something special, you want to plant something out of the ordinary, it takes extra work. And I'm comparing this to our church. I don't think it's a coincidence that the last couple of uh, guest ministers that we've had brought in were heavily involved in, in prayer. And I think there's a lot going on in prayer that we don't see. We kind of want to see that supernatural, you know, right away. Well, pistachio trees take nine years to go to harvest. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have any uh, nuts on the tree before then. It just means it's not enough to bring in a commercial crew to harvest. So it is a long time. And the things, I don't know if you've noticed in your life, but I've kind of noticed that the things that are really precious and the things that are really important sometimes just don't happen like that. Sometimes they do. But praise God when they do. But sometimes they're in development and they're, they're taking some time getting there. So I want you to, to think about that. I think God wants to do something out of the ordinary here. I don't want to go to a church where I get a Sunday school button that says I had perfect attendance. I've been there, done that. It, it was actually um, revolting. It actually it was offensive to my spirit uh, when that happened. But anyhow, uh, I think that we, as people that come early, the people that are leaders, are also looking for that. We're looking for something out of the ordinary. We don't want to play church anymore. We want to see God move in our lives personally. We want to see God move in our city and our community. And, you know, Matthew 6.33 talks about seeking first the kingdom of God, and that's what we should be doing. One of the things that Leanne touched on was uh, a kind of a warning, I took it, of being so involved in everyday personal life that we allow the things of the Spirit to fall away and we don't take time and we don't uh, immerse ourselves back into that. So when you're growing crops, whether it's corn or trees, you have to water them. And uh, I think that we need to be involved in prayer, uh, personally in our own lives, speaking in the Holy Ghost. If anything, <clears throat> I can sum up what God's been talking to me uh, through different avenues is that he wants us to get involved with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be intimate with the Holy Spirit and really get to know him and follow after him. So we're going to go to Matthew 28, 19. So what we can do, rather than sit back and say, God, we're just going to watch and see what, what happens, is we can be in faith praying for this church, praying for our community, and lifting it up before him and watering it. 
Matthew 28:19 says, "Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." In verse 20, teaching them to obey all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And last week when we talked, we, we talked about um, that this verse or two verses point out that to make disciples is to teach or train. And then in verse 20, again, he ta- uh, t- touches on teaching. So we know that teaching is important. It's not just a matter of going out and evangelizing and then walking away and letting the, the crop figure out what to do. Um, I was thinking of, is there anybody here that got born again in Billy Graham's? Anybody that got born again through Billy Graham, either on TV or one of his crusades? Well, I knew a, an associate pastor, Mark Caseman. He was uh, not following after the Lord. He was, in fact, he was traveling through and was intoxicated, and he pulled into a motel, and he sat down. He turned on the TV, and there was Billy Graham saying, God wants you to give your life over to him. And he did. And he started following him. But I looked on Billy Graham's website, and in his years of preaching and teaching, they figure that he uh, ministered to 3.2 million people that made a conversion to follow Christ after his, his teaching. So I thought, well, let's, let's be generous. Let's up it to 4 million. And then let's double that to 8 million because those people may have influenced someone else to, to come to the Lord. So 8 million people, anybody know how many people are in the United States of America? 332 million people right now is, is what the world population calculator says. So what is that? 20% of the people? No, 10% would be 30, so maybe 5% he affected. What if I could show you a way that you could be more effective than Billy Graham? If each one of you went out and every year you brought in 1,000 people, which would be outstanding, wouldn't it? If you did that for 35 years, you would bring in 35,000 people. Well, that fell short. But what if you could take one person and for six months, disciple them. Let me find my, my note with the, with the numbers on it, because I don't want to mis, mislead you. Uh, and every six months, you took another person, discipled them. And your disciples took and did the same pattern. So they would find someone, get them born again, and then disciple them and teach them uh, the ways of God, and then in six months, find someone else. If we did that, uh, the the six-month rule, in 10 years, you would have discipled 100,048,578 disciples. In 15 years, you would have have, uh, discipled more than 1 billion people using that pattern. If you did that for 30 years and the people carried on, you would have discipled more people than there are alive on the face of the earth. So we have, anybody know how many people are on the face of the earth? 7,858,000,000 right now. 
And I know it's pretty accurate because what they do is they count each person twice and then they divide by two. But it is a close, it is a close estimate, um, using growth rates and, and world population. So, you know, it may not be to the, to the number, to the last digit, but it, it's, it's approximate. And if this continues by the year uh, 2023, we will have 8 billion people on the face of the earth. That's a mighty harvest. Um, so if we take time to disciple people, and not just get them... Now, I'm not against what Billy Graham did. Uh, I know he uh, went in with churches, local churches, so that when the, the converts came to Christ, they had somewhere to go to be discipled. But if we could put forth that type of program, we could, in, in all essence, in our lifetime, affect our world and see this king, the kingdom of God uh, full with, with people. So let's go to 2 Timothy 4. And Josh, if you can have that put up in the uh, Amplified, please. These two verses, Matthew 28, 18, and 2 Timothy 4, are kind of going to be our, our lead scriptures, our jumping off scriptures. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right, and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct those who err in doctrine or, beha or behavior. Warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. So that's our, our commission. And we talked about that the word preach was actually interpreted in some translations as herald. And that's the guy who, you know, they blow the long trumpet and he, hear ye, hear ye, and he, he runs out and tells the people, you know, the decree, not his will, but the decree of the king or the prince or whatever, whoever he's representing. And that's what we are to be like. Uh, I always like it when they interview pastors or teachers on television, and usually it's a secular interview, and they say, so you teach this, and, and they'll, no, that's what, you know, Jesus said. That's what, you know, the Word of God declares to us. Um, so it's not that person teaching it, it's the Word of God coming to them. So we need to repeat the message as accurately and in, as enthusiastically as we can. You ever notice that people um, will come around and if you're excited about something, they'll you know, kind of get excited with you, even if it's just for the, the moment, you know, you're celebrating your, your team's win or something. Oh, well, that's great. I'm glad your team won. And so, so we need to be, you know, excited about what Jesus has done in our life. We need to be bold and grab attention. And as we, you know, we should be able to give a person a good reason, a logical reason of what we believe. Uh, oh, you took it down. That's okay. It said to, to be, 
you find it here, in season and out of season. And I, and I talked about, you know, sometimes you go out and you know you're going to be sp- uh, sharing the Word of God with people. And then there's other times you may get asked a question when you're not expecting it. And I gave the example of uh, someone asking me to explain the Trinity to them in, you know, three seconds or less. So, <laughs> And, you know, and God helped me through that. And, and, I, and I hope that that Word works in their life. Uh, we should never limit God's Word on how we feel. We should present God's Word for what it says and not what we think it, how we interpret it, but what it actually says. God's Word's like a seed. Uh, it'll never grow if it isn't sown. So we talked about, you know, Andrew Womack said that uh, we should faithfully sow the seed and give others the chance to accept or reject God's Word on their own. We shouldn't look at someone and say, well, I, I can tell by the way they look or the way they are dressed or the way they live. They're probably not open to Christianity. I'm not going to say anything. Um, you've just denied them the opportunity to make that decision on their own. And, you know, we, we don't want to be guilty of that. Uh, if they reject it, let them reject it. If they accept it, let them accept it, but let them make that decision. For uh, we should not tell other people you know, what they should do. or I mean, we, we shouldn't tell, we shouldn't make that decision for other people of what they will do. And then it says to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Uh, I gave the example about a person that I had talked to earlier about a scriptural doctrine, and we had that discussion, and then he brought it up again at an inopportune time when there were people around that could be easily influenced, and I, I kind of shut him down uh, nicely using scripture, and we're still friends. I ran into him about two months ago in the store, and I mean, he's not mad at me. I'm not mad at him. Uh, I don't know exactly where he is spiritually in that category, but uh, at that time, that was the right thing to do. So with great patience and careful instruction, we can do that. And then we talked about that the the verse says, I think we're in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers according to their own desires or their own lusts, one translation said. And we talked about this could be uh, a time of, of, a, of a generation that's turning away and being trained to uh, disregard the things of God and not put them as, as high as other generations have. Or it could just be in a person's life. It could be a window of opportunity. Uh, I gave you the example of the water not working in the hotel in Ethiopia where the night before I had hot water and you know so when the opportunity presents itself take advantage of it ask the Holy Spirit to to use you and don't put it off assuming that there'll be another time Uh, you could have this one individual uh, meeting with a person just for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them and you may never meet them again Uh, talked about you know, the, the, the scripture says to repeat and put out and herald and proclaim the word of God and, and the truth of God. And we looked at what is the truth. And the Bible says that God's word is truth. And I shared the example that I was uh, kind of meditating and praying and not wanting to, to fall into, into error again. And the Holy Spirit just kind of gently told me to just put in the truth. 
It just seems so simple. If you put in truth, there's no room for error. So we stay with the Scripture. There are great books out there that help us interpret the Scripture, but the Scripture should be the final authority, the final word. Uh, the Living Bible says people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who tell them just what they want to hear. Uh, books have come out that told us, I'm okay, you're okay, which the Bible disagrees, says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, you know, which one are you going to go with? You're going to go with the Bible. Uh, keeping a pure heart before God is the only safeguard against itching ears. So having that desire to seek the kingdom first, to look for God, uh, to show you and guide you and direct you as you build your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, gave the example of the news magazine that went into the grocery store and, and bought items that had new or improved on the label. And we like that. I mean, who doesn't like to get a new car or the newest gadget or maybe the newest phone? Uh, you know, we have, have I mean, because we, we, we consider new to equate with better and greater, you know, than ever before, but not necessarily true. Um, and in the case of the Bible, uh, new doctrine is not better. It's probably been taught before. Uh, Dad Hagen used to say there wasn't a whole lot of things he hadn't heard of before. It just kind of comes around in cycles in a different wrapper and a different box. You know, they change the, the label so that it's easier to read or something, you know, something like that. So don't be taken in by that. Uh, don't, let, don't spend a lot of time on, on fables, myths. Uh, conspiracy theories, there's lots of them on the internet. Some of them have some, uh, may have some truth in them, but they're not worth spending a lot of time on. Spend your time if you have extra time in the Word. Uh, Leanne said, I don't know if you caught it or not, she said she listens to two or three service, sermons a day. Uh, now I imagine that's if she's home and not traveling, or you know she might be able to listen to some on earbuds, but that's her general routine is to try and get the word in, because when we get the word in, we drive out truth or the opportunity for truth to come in. Uh, I don't believe I shared this, but one of the things that uh, I had to overcome was the, the teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and on tongues. Having been grown, grown up as an Adventist, uh, they were very much against that. And Deb and I started uh, attending a, a word church, and they, I think it was like the third service. They gave a, a call for baptism. It was water baptism. Deb, uh, I'm sorry, it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but Deb thought it was baptism in water. So she went up. Uh, well, I found somebody to give our Pam, our daughter, to, and I went up with her because I wanted to make sure, you know, that this all went down the way it was supposed to. And so here I am being presented with these scriptures on the Holy Spirit, and I'm going, wait a minute, um, what is this? And, and, you know, I don't, our church didn't believe in that. So I was faced with kind of a, uh, a decision. Am I going to try and find out what the, what the gospel actually says about it, or am I going to go with my tradition that, you know, I had grown up in? Do, you, do any of you know what a, a double cassette deck is? Yeah, 
We had one of those. I got two tapes from Andrew Womack. One was uh, Why Speak in Tongues, and the other one was The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on a cassette tape, you have anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes of playtime on one side. You can get tapes longer than that, but they get so thin they start breaking and they're not reliable. So it would play on tape one, side A, flip over to side B, and it would go to the second one and play A and B. You could have almost three hours of playtime uh, between those, and you could set this machine up to play up to, I think, seven or eight times, and it would just go all day. So I think Deb got tired of listening to it, but every time I heard him, I'd go, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see that in the Bible. I still couldn't speak in tongues. Uh, I don't, I'm not believing in a, in a Terry theory. I had a goal. Our church was doing um, counseling, the, the prayer counselors, and it was in salvation, baptism, and in uh, healing, physical healing. And I wanted to, to join that group, so I was attending the meetings, but I knew I couldn't actually you know, be uh, involved in the, the service until I was actually speaking in tongues. So that was my goal, was to pray and speak in tongues. So I listened to those tapes over and over and over again uh, for about two months. And I don't know if, if any of you have ever taken a hacksaw to a hardened steel, a piece of steel, and you, you know, you, you, you know, hacksaws don't cut extremely fast, but they usually are pretty efficient, and you can cut through mild steel fairly good. But when it's hardened steel, it's like it's, it just takes a little scraping off. And that's kind of what it felt like, as I was, every time I listened to it, I could tell I was making progress, but it sure was slow. It was just, <clears throat> so I went into um, the associate pastor that was doing the training on this class, and I told him of the situation, you know, and he said, well, just start, just open your mouth and start speaking. And I'm thinking, man, it's easy for you to say, you know. And so anyhow, long story, longer than it needs to be, uh, came up, laid his hands on, on my belly and uh, I spoke one word and I left the church I was so elated I was so happy I drove home I told Deb I got this one word and told her what it was I just could you know say it over and over and, and I said what do you think I'm saying and she says well I think you're thanking God and I, yeah that sounds right I'm thanking God you know so I made the mistake of not writing it down and so I went to bed and when I woke up in the morning I was like oh no what's my word I don't have my word <laughs> So thank God for a, a godly wife. She said, well, maybe on the way to work, you can ask God to give you another word. And sure enough, he did. And the time I got to work 20 minutes later, I had three or four words. So it went from there. But it was that decision to find out what does the word of God actually say, not what my church that I, you know, as a kid grew up in said, but what did, what did God's word actually teach? So... You need to, if you're having issues in certain areas, um, Keith Moore has a website. You can get free teaching. Andrew Womack has a website that you can get free teaching. So it's not that you need to go out and spend a, a lot of money. But if you have an area that you've been struggling in, um, build yourself up in it. Find out what the Word of God says, whether that's physical healing or some area uh, other that you need to. Um, you know, Joyce Myers has some, some great teaching on, I'm going to call it uh, selfishness. She talks about, you know, what about me? What about me? You know, because that was one of her concerns. So uh, God helped her through it, and she shares that with it, and it's, it's very good. So get into the 
the Word of God and find out what it says about areas that maybe you're um, needing some teaching, uh, needing some, some breakthrough and, and some extra teaching in. Uh, the verse at the, towards the end here, let's go to verse 5. It says, Be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. We all have a ministry to reach the lost. Um, we're not just, we may not sit in the office of an evangelist, but we can evangelize. We can share the good news of God. And sometimes the most effective testimony is what God's done in your life for you. Uh, it really helps other people. So go ye, fulfill the, the ministry, leave nothing on the table. Uh, like what Pastor gave the example several months ago of running the race, and when you reach that tape, you're so exhausted, you've given your everything, you just, you know, you, your momentum carries you across and you break the tape and, and you're done, and you've left nothing on the table. You, no regrets. Um, just ask the Holy Spirit to get involved in your life, and if you're not there, if you're, this isn't that you're where, where you want to be right now, ask Him to help you get there. Let's go over to Mark 16, and this is another version of the Great Commission. Mark 16:15. And he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all cre creation. Verse 16, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, and he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the work by the signs that followed. The more we get involved in, in what God wants us to do, the more we'll be aware of that he's helping us to do it. Uh, he's not asking us to go out by ourselves. And in Matthew, he said he'd be with us till the ends of the earth. Uh, here he says that he worked with them and was working with them, so he didn't leave them to do the, the work by themselves. Uh, disciple is not only... Uh, disciple is a pupil... He's an imitator of their teacher. I got a text this week with a, a quote that I thought was just wonderful on this subject. The true aim of discipleship is not merely the transmission of information, but the transformation of character. So it's not just teaching 
you know, the, the knowledge, the book knowledge, we would say, but actually seeing it working in their lives and then putting it to, to use. Uh, transformation, I looked up in the dictionary, a thorough or dramatic change. There should be a change in when a person becomes a Christian. There should be uh, things that, that become less important to them and other things that become more. Uh, genetic alteration, a purpose of change. I was thinking... Uh, of a of a particular person has been about two years ago last year we couldn't go into the prison but in the past um, would go into a cell block in the Yellowstone County Detention Center and there's round chairs similar to what we have downstairs round tables sim similar to what we have downstairs and we would pull a, a table kind of away from the group and have a Bible study and there'd be anywhere from you know, five to six, seven, eight people that would come. And I noticed one time there was a, a young man. He wasn't part of our group. He was just kind of on the outskirts. He was listening to what, what we were talking about and what was being said. And I invited him. I said, you know, come on, have a chair. There's plenty of room. And he shook his head and, and kind of walked away. The next week, it happened again. He stayed longer. I watched that he was, part, you know, listening to what was going on longer the third week, he came and sat down with us. Um, his name was, it was Luke. And he looked to me like a person that had the weight of the world on it. I mean, he had looked very distressed, very concerned. And so he listened, and I gave a salvation call opportunity at the end. And I thought, man, if anybody ever needs to get saved, you know. And he, he, he declined. Um, the fourth week, he came back, and he accepted Christ as, as his Savior in, in our Bible study. And the guys are really good um, about camaraderie, and they would have Bible studies together. Not a lot to do uh, when, you're, when you're there. So there's a pretty tight-knit group. So those guys took him under their wing and spent time with him. And then the fifth week, when we had our, at the end of our Bible studies, I always ask, anybody need prayer? And a lot of times, well, I'm going before the judge, or I've got this meeting, I've got to see my parole officer. I never prayed that they would get out of prison. That may not be the best thing for them. I would pray that they'd have favor, and God's will would be accomplished in their life. Uh, <clears throat> but some of them need to stay there for a while. And he started crying. And I, I was like, okay. And he said, I called my wife this week. And we had been really struggling uh, with our relationship. But I told her I asked Jesus into my heart, and she said, me too, in the same week. Uh, actually, there was a little church, and they were having some kind of an activity, uh, uh, potluck, barbecue, something. And her and the kids were walking by, and they invited her in, and they prayed with her. And she told them, my husband's in prison. They prayed for him, and he said it. It, you know, we're, when I get out, we're going to start going to church and we're going to change our, my life. And, and I'm, great, that's, that's great. About eight weeks later, uh, the end of the Bible study, he got up and he had gone off. And the Holy Spirit said, look at him. And I looked over where, where Luke was standing. And, and he said, he's completely different, isn't he? And I said, he is. He's got hope. He's got confidence. He's got joy in his heart. Uh, he's laughing. He's, you know, he, I mean, he, he had completely uh, changed. And, you know, God, when God comes into a person's life, we should see that change. We should see, um, you know, desires to follow after him.
So when we go out, we should uh, make pupils. We should be. We should be. We should ourselves should be imitators of Christ. In fact, the the word Christian comes from little Christ, uh, because the disciples and the followers of Christ acted so much like Jesus did when he was there that they they nicknamed him Christians, uh, designating little Christ. Uh, one hour a week coming to church. We're probably not going to grow a whole lot spiritually. Um, and we already talked about, you know, putting more word into us. So what are we going to teach? What are we going to believe on? Um, discipleship is what Jesus told us to do. So the first thing we need to is, what is the goal of salvation? Let's look at John 3.16. And this in no way is an all-inclusive, all the reasons to get saved. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son, into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Well, eternal life in this verse can't just mean living forever. And I say that because we're spirit beings. We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever with God or without him, but we're going to live forever. And that's the condition of, the, of every human. So this eternal life can't be talking about just living forever in heaven and you know, all the good things that those are. It's gotta, there's got to be more to this. So let's look at Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were sinner, en, well, sorry, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we didn't do anything to earn this. God did this for us because he loves the human race. And sin was the problem. Sin's the problem that separates us from that eternal life. Uh, our good enough is not good enough. God doesn't grade on a curve. It's 100% or it's not, and we can't live 100%. Unconditional love, it's not based on us. I liked what, in Billy Graham's crusades, he always said, just come as you are. You know, we, we a lot of times, we, want it, we judge people, we look at them, and we wish they were different, uh, but we don't necessarily help them get different. And 
The gospel says if you come and receive of Christ, you'll be changed, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Having everlasting eternal life. So let's go to John 17. I've lost John 17. Verse 3. This is eternal life, that we may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is not just living forever, but it's also having a relationship with God, our Maker, and knowing the goodness of God, and having that in us, that we can share it with others. So every one of us will live forever with or without God. Let's build a relationship and know God intimately. 1 Corinthians 6. Sixteen through seventeen. Or do you not know that one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? For he says, the two will become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So just like in the physical, you can have a joining. In the spiritual, you can become intimate with with the Holy Spirit and get to know him and have him be a part of your life and have more joy and more happiness inside of you from that relationship. Paul said to know him, to experience God in Ephesians 3.19. And let's go there real quick. This will probably be our last verse for time's sake. Start in verse 18. May be able to comprehend. This is the middle of Paul's prayer for, for what he wants all believers to have. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So to know the love of Christ, and he's not talking just on the book knowledge, but actually experiencing the love of God, to, to have that joy inside of you that... Um, you know, the Bible says it passes all understanding. It's hard to explain to, to people, um, but that joy is, is something that can't be changed by circumstances. You could be in the uh, most remote area of the world with the least amount of resources and still have a relationship with God and still be happy. Uh, I saw that in Ethiopia uh, so much those people compare comparative how Americans live, what they don't have. Uh, you could, you know, you would make a list that was just would go on, 
but they're happy. They have the Lord. They have family. They know they have relationship. Um, and those are the things that will last and will transcend, um, you know, the latest phone, the latest gadget. Uh, those things will bring true uh, happiness and relationship. God wants us to have abundant life. You know, in, in John 10.10, 10, it says that the the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. God wants us to experience the abundant life. He's not against us having nice things. He's against nice things having us and you know, tying us up all our time. So God wants a personal relationship with us. Uh, Revelation 3.20 is, is a verse that says, if uh, I'll come and knock on the heart of your door, the I'll come and knock on the door of your heart. <laughs> and if you open it, I'll come in and eat with, eat supper, eat dinner, sup with you. I'll come in and have fellowship with you. Um, you know, I think it's neat that the Bible talks about the, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb will be one of the first things that we experience as the body of Christ uh, when this is all over. We're going to sit down and have a meal together. Uh, there's something, fellow, there's some kind of fellowship that happens when you have a meal together. Uh, Jesus came to deliver us from this present evil world to give you intimacy and a personal relationship with the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.